0: Shalom everyone, today I'm going to speak to you about 12 ancient secrets from the book of Esther and the biblical Feast of Purim and how they relate to the spirit realm. These secrets give us important keys for spiritual warfare during these end times. I'm Jennifer Guetta, a biblical archaeologist who came to know Jesus through dreams. You can read my testimony in my book, Awestruck by Glory, which is available anywhere online. This is the Awestruck Podcast, where you can discover secrets of the supernatural from a scientist and a biblical archaeologist who actually experienced it. When the Messiah Jesus came, he revealed all secrets. Luke eight seventeen says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Mark 4.22 says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Jesus exposed the enemy and showed how the kingdom of heaven works and how the Bible is alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. So today, we're going to reveal some of the amazing secrets in the book of Esther and the story of Purim and how this relates to the spirit realm. But let's first start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray that you will bless this podcast and all the listeners here. Give them ears to hear and may your Holy Spirit take over and give me inspiration to reveal what you have shown me. Help us, O Lord, to and be equipped for such a time as this. In the name of Jesus, Yeshua, I pray. Amen. First, let's talk a little bit about the Feast of Purim and the story of Esther and what exactly it is. Purim is about the story of Esther, a beautiful Jewish girl who lived in ancient Persia and had great courage to go up to the king to expose the enemy and save her people. The entire story is written in the book of Esther, which ends with a decree to celebrate the Feast of Purim. The story takes place between the Old and the New Testament, in the Persian Empire, ancient Iran, around 400 B.C. Purim takes place on the 14th day of the Hebrew month of Adar, somewhere at the end of the winter. Though it is not one of the original seven biblical holidays, it is still part of the Bible, and the story is divinely inspired by God and also has very strong anointing, and it is the Word of God. Prophetically, Purim is often associated with the end times because it is the last feast on the biblical calendar and teaches many things which are important and relevant for us today. Interestingly, it takes place in ancient Iran, which is also part of these end times. Like all biblical holidays, the meaning of Purim is so multi-layered and beautiful that it is hard to know where to start. In Colossians 2.17, Paul says that the feasts are a shadow of things to come and their reality points to the Messiah, Yeshua. This one too. Amazingly, God shows us how the spirit realm works through the stories of the Jewish people. And this holiday also gives us insight into how the spirit realm works and keys for spiritual warfare. The question is, what are the spiritual lessons in the book of Esther and how does it apply for to us in the end times? Let's first summarize the story itself. We're not going to read all of Esther here today, but I will just read a few verses and tell you the story. By the way, on Purim, in all the synagogues all over the world, the Jews do read all of the story of Esther. They call it the Megillah of Esther the scroll of esther and every time they hear the name hamam they will make some kind of noise why do they do that to blot out the name of hamam and amalek forever to make the enemy ashamed as it says in deuteronomy 2519 you shall blot out the name of uh, the memory of amalek from under the sun so this is already a hint at one of the keys i'll be presenting so if you hear the name of man during the lecture, go ahead and make lots of noise. So let's start reading. Esther 1, one. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, this is Ahasuerus, which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia, over a 107 and 20 provinces, that in those days when the king Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the palace. In the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants, and the power of Persia and Media, the nobles, the princes of the provinces, being before him. The story then goes on, and he asks his queen, Vashti, to parade and show herself off to his people, but she refuses to go. The king then gets rid of the queen and goes in search of a new queen. All the beautiful young girls in the country are called up, and the king will choose a new queen. Esther, an orphan girl living with her uncle Mordecai, was also taken. When Esther's turn came, and she pleased the king, and he made her queen, and she kept her Jewishness secret. Then Hamam, the son of an agite, is promoted People were told to bow to Haman, but Mordecai refused to bow down to a man. He only wanted to serve God. This infuriated Haman, and he takes a, makes a plot to kill all the Jews. He makes the king write a decree to kill the Jews, and the king stamp, stamps the decree with his ring, and it goes throughout all the land. Mordecai finds out about the evil plot and ask Esther to go to the king and tell him about it. Mordecai says the famous words to Esther in Esther four thirteen through 14. Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knowest whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Esther has to reveal her identity and go to the king. But if she comes without an invitation, she risks her own life. She calls a three-day fast and prayers for all the Jews in Shushan. Esther 4.16 says, Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so I will go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Then Esther goes to the king on the third day, and he extends her his golden scepter, And lets her live. She invites him and Hamam to a dinner. Meanwhile, Hamam had prepared the gallows for Mordecai. At the dinner, Esther exposes the evil plan of Hamam. Hamam is taken away and hanged on the gallows. Then Esther asks the king to turn around the decree that was made to kill the Jews. He gives Mordecai the seal of the king and makes a higher decree that the Jews can defend themselves. On the very day that the Jews were to be destroyed, the Jews defended themselves and it was completely turned around. The people did not hurt the Jews and their enemies were defeated. And then it was commanded to write down the great miracle and celebrate it. This is a story about an evil plot from the enemy that was exposed and two people who listened to God and had tremendous courage to stand up and intercede on behalf of their people. In the story, we see many spiritual forces working through the main characters. These were real people who lived in the 4th century B.C., and they were moved either by the Spirit of God or by the enemy. Esther represents the Jewish people and, in the New Covenant, also the Bride of Christ, Some people also compare her to Jesus because he also laid down his life for his people. But the victory of Jesus was much greater than in the story of Esther. The king is, of course, God himself or Jesus the Messiah, the king of kings, the king of glory. Hamam represents the ultimate evil, a man possessed by a demon or principality coming against the Jews. Jews actually believe he is a representative of the worst kind of evil. In the Bible, he is called an agite. This represents an evil spirit which traveled through many generations, or what Christians would call a demon who goes from generation to generation, coming back in different forms. He is the ultimate enemy of Israel and the Jewish people and responsible for anti-Semitism. Jews call this demon the spirit of Amalek, which comes back in many stories in the Bible, such as the story of Jacob and Esau, the Amalekites, which the Israelites faced when they came out of Egypt, and Moses warned them against. King Saul also fought the Amalekites. In Deuteronomy 25:19 says, God says, you shall blot out the name of Amalek from memory of Amalek from under the sun. God promised to destroy the memory of Amalek from the earth and wage war against his descendants. And he said his name and throne are not complete until Amalek is destroyed. Many say that this prophecy was fulfilled during the story of Esther paving the way for Messiah. Others believe that the spirit of Amalek was defeated, of course, at the cross. The spirit of Amalek is also seen as a spirit that wants to destroy the Jewish people and an enemy of the church and the Gospels. There are scholars that also believe that this 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 same spirit, which comes against the Jews in the end times. Personally, I think this spirit is just a principality, and the defeat of this spirit in the Esther story shows a cycle of how this demon was defeated. When Messiah Jesus defeated the enemy at the cross, We also see these cycles. But Jesus defeated the devil and the entire host of the kingdom of darkness, which resulted in a much greater victory. There are many spiritual lessons and secrets about the spiritual realm revealed in this story. Today, we will cover 12 of these secrets and what they have to do with the end times. The first ancient secret is the secret of hiddenness. There are a lot of things that are hidden in the Esther story that take place behind the scenes. At the end of the story, all this hiddenness is revealed. Let's look at some of the things which are hidden in the story. The name Esther itself. Esther is Persian and comes from the root GLH, which means hidden. In Hebrew, she is called Hadassah. The name Hadassah is derived from the Hebrew word hadas, a myrtle tree, because the righteous are called, are called myrtles. The name of the word Megillah, the scroll, is connected to the word Magalah, which, reme- which means reveal. The Megillah of Esther is therefore actually called the revealing of the hidden, the unmasking of the secret. There are other things also hidden in the book of Esther. For example, Esther keeps her Jewishness hidden from the king until the very last moment. The name of God is also hidden in the book. It is not mentioned once, but we know he is there and he is the one in control and providing everything, everything that is necessary. Many things in the book are not revealed such as Esther's background, her parents, etc. And Esther also keeps Mordecai's secret. It reminds us actually of other things that are hidden in the Bible. For example, God hides David before he is revealed. Jesus was hidden until he was 30, and his time had come. Joseph was also hidden until the unveiling. Joseph was hidden until the right time. And the enemy disguises himself as an angel of light. He's also like hidden, and uh, throughout the entire uh, Bible, hiddenness or concealment in the Book of Esther also reminds us of um, one beautiful thing: the hidden Messiah, Yeshua, who is hidden from the Jews for many years and will reveal himself in the last days. Zechariah twelve ten says. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. The veal will be removed, And Messiah will be revealed. And they will realize that he was hidden from the Jewish people for 2,000 years. But actually, he was always there. The hidden also is a reminder of the hidden bride of Christ in the end times. Romans 8.19 says, "For For all creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Esther is part of the haram of the king. She's assimilated into the world. She's not visible, much like much of the church is now assimilated into greater Babylon. And in the last days, the sons of God will be revealed. Amen. The hidden also reminds us of the hidden spirit realm around us. All around us is an invisible world, but we don't see it. In it are two kingdoms, good and good and bad angels God Jesus and also demons and fallen angels in different in different dimensions the spirit realm is very real and it is hidden in plain sight right in front of us the story of Esther is like an invitation to see through the hidden world around us to see through the glass clearly and uncover the hidden God and his presence On Purim, in Israel, we wear masks and disguise ourselves. Why do you think people do that? It is actually a reminder of the hiddenness. And it's a beautiful reminder that one day the Messiah will reveal himself to his people. So when you see all those masks on Purim, be glad, for it's a reminder of the great unveiling that is coming. So amazing. The masks of the last few years of COVID actually also reminded me of this. The time is coming to remove all the masks. It is time to reveal the secret of the hidden Messiah, the bride of Christ, and to stop the deception of the enemy and see through the glass clearly. You have a purpose for a specific time. God puts you in a specific place and time until it's time to expose the enemy. Unveil who you are and pray for the salvation of your people. The second secret is related to the theme of exposing evil and turning tables. Meaning, Esther went up to the king to expose an evil plan of the enemy and plead for the salvation of her people. What the enemy had planned for evil, God turned to good. Spiritually, this compares to exposing the devil and his dark plans and pleading for the for her people's salvation. Instead of the enemy coming against them, God created a way for salvation and joy. In est in the Esther story, we see that Hamam had an evil plan to destroy the Jewish people by writing out a decree. However, God completely turned everything around, and Hamam's plan came upon himself. He was actually just a human being, and we know that he was possessed by demonic powers that wanted to kill the Jewish people. However, God turned the tables. What the devil meant for evil, God turned to good. Though Hamam had planned to kill the Jews, instead he was killed and hanged on the gallows, and he was publicly put to shame. It shows what a powerful decree from the king, the king of kings, Messiah, could do, and tables are turned, the enemy Hamam went on display and was put to shame. We read a similar kind of story in the Joseph story in Genesis fifty twenty. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. God also turned the tables when Jesus was hung on the cross. For three days, the devil thought he had won, but God turned the tables and used a higher decree to save all mankind. Jesus was blameless and therefore defeated death and rose from the dead. Death itself was defeated. The tables were turned. The enemy was put on display and mocked and was lost forever. God can turn the tables for you too. Even in the darkest of times, Paul says that in in romans eight twenty eight and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God turns trials into blessings. however, the turnaround in this story did not come by doing nothing. The third secret is knowing the authority of the bride and her special access to the King. Through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus has granted us special access to the Holy of Holies, to God Himself. If we use the name of Yeshua, we can petition God with anything. If you have received Jesus as your Savior, you have become the bride of Christ, and you can go up to God anytime. You have direct access. But to use this authority, it means you shouldn't have to know who you are and what God has given you. Ephesians two eighteen says, For through him we have both. We both have our access in one spirit to the Father. And Ephesians three twelve says, In whom we have boldness and confidence, access through faith in him. So we have boldness to go into the God's presence as his bride. You have the authority that Jesus has given you. And you have special access to the king. That is just incredible. You have been seated in high places. God has given you that authority. But it does mean you have to know you have the authority so that you can actually use it. The fourth secret is bathing in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Esther had actually been prepared by bathing in oil for a whole year. This is a representative of bathing in the oil and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. She was made ready for such a time as this, for a specific time. Uh, John sixteen thirteen says, But when He, the Spirit of Truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit resides in you, and you can become aware of him and just Commune with him. Abide in the Holy Spirit and abide in his presence, in God's presence, and let his face shine upon you. Let his light come through you, and you will be able to be strong for such a time as this. For when the time comes, the Lord will call you, and you will be able to speak the words that the Holy Spirit gives you. The fifth secret is the power of prayer and fasting. After bathing in the anointing, Esther asked her people to fast and pray for three days in order to build up her confidence and strength so she has the courage to go to the king. She will go to the king and try to intercede for her people, and she knew it was a spiritual battle. Ephesians six twelve says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, In high places. In Judaism, actually, fasting is closely related to repentance, and by fasting, we are forced to give up control. One of the weapons God has given us to engage in spiritual warfare is the discipline of fasting. If you are a believer in Jesus, God has given you authority and placed you in heavenly realms. He put you there for a reason to get ready and, so, and pray for others and step out. The three days of fasting that Esther called were also a national rally and cry for salvation. In Jewish tradition, the rabbis say that when Jews went to war in the Bible, it was never only a battle for, of military strength and strategy. There was a spiritual war being waged. They needed God to be on their side to guide them to victory. So as crazy as it sounds, the custom was to fast on the day of the battle. The soldiers who went out to war were simultaneously holding their spears in their hands and turning their hearts to God in fasting and repentance. Esther going up to the king was a spiritual battle. It shows how powerful our prayers are in the spirit realm and is one of the most important parts of spiritual battle. If you are a believer, God has given you special access to the king to pray and fast for God's people and for standing up against the enemy. Do you have the courage to pray and fast for people for such a time as this? Through prayer and fasting, she had the courage to lose herself and go to the king. It shows That through prayer and fasting, you can change the world and turn things around. But it wasn't by fasting and prayer alone. She also had to step out. This is the end of part one of Spiritual Warfare and the Book of Esther. In the next episode, I'm going to teach you how stepping out with courage affects the spirit realm and the meaning behind the decrees in the book and the ring and the scepter of the king and how we can decree the victory of Jesus over the enemy. I hope you will join me there as well. Today, I want to challenge you. If you have accepted Jesus in your heart, you are his bride. So use your authority. Know that you have special access to God. Pray and fast and go to the king and tell people your testimony. Go out, step out, as Mordecai said to Esther. Step out for such a time as this. You have been called for such a time as this to go forth and pray and expose yourself and, and show who you are to pray and fast for your people, to ask the King for his great mercy for the salvation of the people around you. But we must be willing to step out and then God will turn what the enemy meant for evil into good. I want to thank you for being here today. I remember Jesus revealed all the secrets and this is part of the secrets. And if you want to know more about my experience, how I came to know the Lord, you can go to my book, to my website, awestruckbyglory.com. And you can read there my book, Awestruck by Glory. You can find it on Amazon or on any other uh, sites on, uh, online. And you can also uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Awestruck with Jennifer Guetta. Or you can find me on Facebook, on Telegram. I have a site called Prophecy from the Galilee. And on Spotify, you can find more sites, more uh, podcasts. I hope you enjoyed this today. And may God bless you. And may He fill you with His courage and love to step up for His people. Lots of love. Bye.